Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our readings this morning are from Genesis and from Luke. Listen to what God is saying to you. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the waters from each other. God made the dome and separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome. And it happened in that way. God named the dome sky. There was evening and there was morning the second day. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seed within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds of the, in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he made. It was supremely good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored, because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone, from one generation to the next, who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to Abraham's descendants forever. May God add a blessing to the understanding and living out of his scripture. Good morning, Urban Village Church. Uh, my name is Emily McGinley. I have the great joy of serving as the pastor in this community and in ministry and leadership alongside so many folks um, that you have seen up front this morning. Um, we were having problems with people falling asleep during the sermon, and so we... Um, decided that uh, we would turn down the heat. Um, 
that's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, I apologize for the temperature. Uh, hopefully, we'll get it worked out. Um, sub, we have found several thermostats. We're not sure if they're real, but we've turned them all off. <laughs> and hopefully, by the time the benediction comes around, people will be able to take off their hats. Um, please join me in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts. God, we thank you for the gift um, that it is to come together in a space and feel the warmth of your community and the warmth of the presence of your spirit, even in the midst of chilly temperatures. And so we ask that you would help us to be present for what it is that you have to say to us today, that we would be receptive to your word and the movement of your spirit, and that we might leave this place um, encouraged, challenged, transformed, and knowing that we are deeply loved by you. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So during one of um, the classes I took in college, uh, we were discussing um, the diverse and creative body of work uh, by the industrial designers and general tinkerers, Charles and Ray Eames. Anyone heard of the Eames couples? Okay. The Eames are, I think, most well known for their chairs, which are both beautifully designed um, and incredibly comfortable and easily mass produced. In fact, I got a little bit of designer nerd thrill when I saw that there are actually some Eames chairs here in the building on the second floor. They're wooden um, pressed wood, uh, so you can go have a seat in them. Um, and as part of this class discussion, we watched a short film that was created by the Eames um, based on a book called Cosmic View, um, but this uh, film was called The Powers of Ten. Um, and the basic idea is that every 10 seconds, the camera pans back um, and out 10 meters. Um, and in the film, it does it about 25 times, but for the sake of time, I've kind of trimmed it down to 10 times. I thought that was appropriate. Um, if you want to watch the full thing, you can um, look it up on YouTube. But um, it can be a little um, difficult to appreciate the technology um, of executing this film in the early 70s, um, which was way before our atmosphere was crowded by satellites or we had access to resources like Google Earth and powerful microscopes. Um, it was the kind of creative work where science meets high imagination, and it was exciting to artists and inventors and nerds of all kinds to sort of see this exercise of uh, panning out and then back in 10 meters, uh, or sorry, 10 times, 10 times 10 meters. Um, and I think of this film actually every time I read Genesis 1, a sweeping project of creation in which microbes and matter come together in a mysteriously powerful way to separate water from land and day from night, where flora and fauna emerge, followed by fish and fowl and all creatures of every kind. And this film, in a way, um, the way that it pans so far back into the macro and then so far forward into the micro of the cosmos, it reminds me of the vast and deep knowledge that God has of creation, not just the basics, right? Um, but the very details in how everything is dependent upon everything else, working so far from one another that you would think that one thing has absolutely no bearing on another thing until you start seeing videos of starving polar bears, like the one that's been circulating this past week, or you see charts spelling out exactly how the tax bill that was recently passed is a slow but steady march towards squeezing blood from a stone and seeing the ways that everything is interlocked with everything else to create this 
amazing universe within a universe within a universe within a universe, and you just can't help but hold it and, and, um, in your mind as much as you can and give thanks to God for the vast imagination. Now, some scholars will say that Genesis 1 isn't so much an account of creation as it is a faith statement written by priestly, readers, uh, sorry, priestly leaders at a time when the people of Israel felt their helplessness against powerful foreign governments. It seemed like the God of all creation was not as powerful as they thought. They needed a reminder, a statement to remind them of who God was and where God stood in the power matrix of creation and in the broader framework of the world. When there was nothing, the Hebrew Bible says, tohu vabohu, which gets translated as formless void, but could also be translated as chaos and emptiness. When there was a formless void, when there was chaos and emptiness, the basic point is that God makes order and brings life in places where there is a deficit of both. And that might seem like sort of a tomato-tomato kind of thing, but it makes a difference, I think, when we consider our passage for today. God, who created all and sees all and holds all, who can pull order and life from chaos and emptiness, this is the reminder and comfort that Israel needed in order to remember that they are not forgotten or unseen, and that the God they proclaimed was greater than the powers that hung a heavy yoke on their dignity. But beyond a source of comfort, this statement is a kind of mission statement. Where do we fit into God's creation? What is our role in the order of life? God states it clearly. Partner. Steward, co-creator. Now, fast forward several generations. When Mary is confronted with this unusual proposal by Gabriel, her trust in the faith statements of her ancestors was put to the test. God, the almighty creator who presumably created Mary, comes to her with a, this plan, like a really far-fetched far plan. And while scripture is vague on whether or not consent is requested, Mary gives her consent, and in light of the conversations that have been happening these days, uh, one might make the argument that she had no choice, considering the power dynamics between the almighty God and, let's say, a middle-class 16-year-old girl. But if it was a coerced yes, I don't think we'd have the passage that we read this morning. A song of hope and a faith statement about God's power in a very specific kind of way. A faith statement born from the same kind of vulnerability, powerlessness, and hopeful trust of her ancestral authors who wrote Genesis 1. Another faith statement of God's power and vision for abundant life. That wouldn't be there if it was a coerced yes. Because things are not well in Mary's time. Rome's overproduction of agriculture and continuous logging is stripping natural resources far faster than the land can recover, to the point that not long into Mary's future, the famous cedars of Lebanon cease to exist. A puppet king system designed by Rome, created by a governmental structure that becomes a blueprint for colonization, making it so that it was in Herod's family wealth and success that depended upon the suppression of his own people. Taxation systems that were constantly being refined in order to squeeze more out of the lower classes such that a massive mandatory census was being organized that upended lives for the sake of an accurate count. 
Things were not well in Mary's time. She and many others like her were feeling powerless, overwhelmed, and defeated. So maybe when Gabriel comes to Mary with this proposal, Mary sees her chance to be a catalyst for something different, something that could really set loose God's redemptive work in the world, at least in some way. God sees the powers of ten. The big thing of creation, the pillaged forests and plundered land, the millions of people, and the lone betrothed girl. God sees the things that can't be seen, the complex systems, the labyrinthine tax codes, and divide-to-conquer tactics for severing social fabrics. And God sees the things that we pretend we can't see, the pressed, young, marginalized, and disenfranchised people who bear the brunt of it all. God sees the chaos and emptiness, and instead of despair, God has the desire to create something new. The God of Genesis 1 is the same God of Luke 1, and this is what Mary's prayer is rooted in. This is why Mary sings her song of hope, her statement of faith. God is not disarmed by darkness nor confounded by chaos. God's capacity for creativity is not paralyzed by power or intimidated by ineptitude. In fact, if there is anything we can know about God from both Genesis and Luke 1, it's this. God knows how to bring forth life and redemption and hope and goodness in the most unlikely of places. In fact, that's sort of God's specialty. In Genesis 1, there's another important word that shows up, rakia, which gets translated as dome. It shows up six times in chapter 1, which isn't just an interesting bit of trivia, but is also an indication that it is something important and part of God's creative work, creating a dome. Sometimes it gets translated as firmament or vault, but the point of it is that it's some kind of protective barrier that separates a place, separates out a place where life can flourish in the midst of chaos and emptiness. A bubble, kind of, um, where life can take root, where life can be cultivated and flourish. A protective space that allows for the tender and fragile work of early life cultivation to take place without threat, with protection, and all the things that it needs to grow. God sees our circumstances. God sees your circumstances, the way that God saw Mary's circumstances. And God sees the systems and structures that we are caught up in the way, just the way that God saw the systems and structures that Mary was caught up in. And God saw how all of this was happening in the even broader project of creation and life that Mary and those systems existed in. And so in order to create space for life to take root, to be cultivated, and to flourish, in a way, that is what this space, this community here is for, actually. A place where we can be reminded of God's power and capacity for life creation. A place where tenderness and vulnerability can exist without fear of destruction. This here is a bubble of life, a community of cultivation, so that we can grow courageous for whatever outlandish task that God invites us into over the course of our lives. God's orientation, God's intentions, as you've heard me say countless times, are always for the sake of wholeness of life for all. Genesis 1 reminds us that this was so from the very beginning. And Mary's story reminds us that God uses ordinary, unlikely people to carry out projects of redemption, renewal, and resistance for that wholeness of life for all purpose. 
Mary's yes to God's creation bubble within her was the beginning of a new dream, new dream rooted in an ancient vision, a God dream of resistance to chaos, a God dream of redemption and renewal of all creation. And this dream, this God dream, is a dream that we all inherit, that we all have a part to play in. So we remember Mary's story. We remember the pain, the promise, the hope and the fear, the resistance and redemption. And we remember Mary's faithful yes to God's dream that we are part of a long legacy guided by a bright light, an ultralight being, leading us as we live this God dream. I'm moving on my family from China to Zambia. Treat the demons like Jesus. I mean, I pray for your friends, but they can lean I've been this way since all of us and either. Now they want to hit me with the woo out the band. Trying to stab the photos, they can't steal it. My God is like spirit, you can't feel it. You can fit the liver, the spirits coming to braille. Tell me of the underground, come and follow the trail. Two times candy, never going to hell. I met Pastor E, I'm never going to fail. She said, let's cover the song with chance three. She's thinking about how we all like Mary. She gonna make so free, so hard that ain't no one God probably can't tweet. This is a part nobody else be. This is a part nobody else be this is a light of mine glory be the guy yeah i'ma make sure that they go where they can't go if they want to ride i'ma still give them raincoats another guy said when she first made the rainbow there's no way that way i can't go 
I'm just having fun with it. You know that the sister was found. I laugh on my head, country you know, is amazing how the lovers abound. Uh, trying to flip the script like on yourself, like what's in your spot? You cannot master the lie. You get UBCs open my yeah. We this is a god dream. 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 This is everything. We on an ultralight beam. We're on an ultralight beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is everything. This is everything. We on an ultralight beam. We're on an ultralight beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is everything. This is everything. This prayer is for everyone who feels they're not good enough. For everyone who feels like they're too messed up. For everyone who feels they've said, I'm sorry too many times. Remind us that we can never go so far that we can't come back home again. So increase our faith and our hope. Help us to say yes to you in the face of fear. Keep us safe in the midst of chaos and create within us, among us, and around us a bubble for life to take root, to be cultivated, and to flourish for the sake of your wholeness of life for all. And we pray this in the name and the vein of your son Jesus, the woman who was his mother, and those who declared your creative power long before us, who trusted much more than us. We step in their faith and in their trust, and we pray all of this. In the name of your son, Jesus, whose name and personhood we wait eagerly, hopefully, hungrily this day. Amen.